slightly as a, a sort of as a transition. Yesterday we um, went up to Dyer's Place in the mountains, which was a beautiful little enclave up there. Wow, so magnificent. Except for her back garden, that was terrible. <laughs> 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 and um, a few of us descended on it, and it looked um, impenetrable and was going to take us forever. But it was actually a you know we achieved heaps. It was it was really cool. It was about, I don't know, nearly 15, 15, and um, we had some really fun. But the little point I just really wanted to pick up on today was um, Kel and Eli and I worked together for about three hours. And we were effectively the bulldozer team. And we just moved mountains. But the beautiful thing was watching young Eli who worked really pretty tirelessly for about three, two and a half, three hours and just kept coming back and working hard and without any real, um, you know, Dad, I'm sick of this, Dad, take me home, sort of, none of that. It was actually a whole joy and what was on a, a joyful piece even on top of that was watching Kel father Eli and it was a beautiful picture, particularly for what I'm going to talk about in a moment, um, of the father-son and the fact that Eli was so keen and enthusiastic and faithful and, you know, laboured hard. For how old's Eli? Nine. <laughs> um, you know, is a testament, you know, credit to, to Kel and to Viv in this connection they have with their son. And, you know, Kel particularly discipling his son with the servant spirit that's on Kel. It's, ama it's amazing. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was a privilege to be with them. And, um, and it spoke into my heart because of the thoughts that were brewing in my head. I said, thank you, Lord, for giving me that picture to talk about today. So let's just briefly finish um, my little piece. Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about my story, which is, you know, one of the reservations that I meant to mention earlier, why, you know, I get nervous up front, is it's such a broken story, you know, it's, it's in repair mode, it's, it's uh, a journey, you know, and um, some days it goes backwards and, you know, I feel the weight of some things on me, um, you know, I've I've been a Christian for 50 years. This year is year number 50. Um, it's the, what, the Golden Jubilee? So this is the year I borrow a lot of money from you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll forgive me. <laughs> um, but for the first 45 years of that walk, it was totally, um, it was like a roller coaster ride to some extent. Um, God just sort of swooped me up and, and, you know, gave me my wife and family and, and it seemed like we were on this trajectory that just everything we sort of, God thought, you know, put into our hearts, we went and did and bam. Um, and, you know, we didn't even think about it too much. It was just kind of this, this ride. Um, and, you know, I was a full-time youth pastor originally and went into business and, and 
for a period there was very successful and blah, blah, blah. I won't go into all that. But um, about six years ago, the wheels fell off everything. And, um, and for the first couple of years, I kind of travelled that okay, you know. I sort of said, we're not disappointed. We're just, um, it wasn't the right time, blah, blah, blah. Because there was a whole lot of initiatives with the House of Prayer and the Kingdom business and... Um, Church of the City and Church of the Nation and all this stuff that was rolling at a great rate of knots but progressively it all fell apart and dissipated and disappeared. And so after a couple of years I sensed this sort of darkness um, come into my world where all the juices of um, the motivations of the previous years just somehow evaporated and I'd look back at those years and I'd, it was like an out-of-body experience. It was like, who was that guy? And what was that all about? And um, uh, I'm not sure I want to be that guy and I'm not sure how to be that guy and I'm not sure about a lot of things. And I'm on a sort of a restoration journey from that and Tim and Deb, you know, who are very conscious of all that and my wife who's been so faithful and, and wonderful, you know, we've just sort of plotted through it. I didn't really even want to go to church, but Chris said, oh, let's go see Tim and Deb's church. And, um, and so uh, I started plodding along and then they offered Chris a day a week and I went, oh, bugger, I'm going to have to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been, it's been fun and, you know, a, a, a deep love for Tim and Deb particularly and then also, you know, you guys who... We've got to know very well and love deeply and it has been restoring to my soul um, and, you know, culminating in today with these ramblings. But I wanted to just speak about the most recent piece that has stirred my heart and sort of brought, you know, my juices back. And it started with a conversation I had with Deb um, just before Christmas in 2017, I think it was, and we kind of, she probably doesn't remember this, reflecting on the the year and, um, you know, she was talking about family and really wanting to think about family in 2018. And and I just, I wasn't even thinking, I wasn't even, you know, in the spiritual zone, but I said, oh, we need mothers and fathers. And it sort of, oh, I didn't even, you know, I sort of, wasn't even conscious of it and that um, precipitated some processes in my mind that God's just not let go of and you know we we started some hub groups early last year and that was part of the story then we took off to Byron as a whole team um, in the middle of the year and I've bored other people to death with this story but the themes of um, particularly of Hebrews 1, where it starts off in former times, God spoke to the fathers, um, being the fathers of Israel, through prophets, through tablets of stone, through angels, um, through kings, through priests. But in these days... He spoke to us through his son. Now, we kind of all know that, you know, Jesus came, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that 
really entered into my psyche was he didn't use any of those former techniques, but the model that he built the new covenant on was father-son. And this was, you know, this is in some ways has been passed over. And it was Phil Mason who sort of drew our attention to it, that the model he chose was father-son. And that this fatherhood and sonship is in stark contrast with orphans. And, you know, these thoughts have just kept bubbling deep in my spirit. And I always said to Tim, you know, the only thing that really gets my juices going in sort of the kingdom and even in church was meeting with some brothers. And I kind of was connecting some of these dots and I just, you know, I kind of look at the, the, the history again of the church and the history of secular society is actually fatherless. We have no fathers. And we have physical fathers, sure. And, you know, looking in the secular realm, everybody's got a father. But the devil has gone to work and just taken out the father's heart. And, you know, I've heard commentary recently. Chris Verlotten's done this extraordinary podcast um, on principles of fatherhood which is really misnamed because it's principles of fatherlessness because he spends the whole podcast talking about the damage that has been done in the secular society and everywhere to the lack of fathers and um, when I say that you know I think it what needs to be said straight away is the amazing job so many women have done being fathers to children. So I don't want to discount anyone who was, you know, grew up in a fatherless family. I mean, I grew up in a fatherless family, um, not because my father, I didn't have a father who wasn't there, but emotionally, relationally, he wasn't there. He was at boarding school. He didn't have any father model in his life. And so... And I would, as I talk to men, I would think it's just, a, it's almost 100%. Who was fathered by a father? There's virtually no one I know. Then we come to the spiritual family. We have no secular models. And the spiritual family has resulted in being fatherless as well. And when you look at what, you know, just that tiny little capsule of Kel and Eli, when you think, what is father-son relationship and you start to ask what is that humanly what should it look like what is it spiritually what should it look like that is a discussion that should take us a few hours to just even think about and then a lifetime to implement but the connection of fathers spending time with their sons intentional initiating Patient, persevering, regular, frequent, turning up emotionally, physically, being engaged, sacrificing for one person or two people in their family or their kids. It's an extraordinary picture and relationship of father-son. Now, and of course mother-daughter. The mothers seem to get it a lot better than the fathers. And there's obviously a lot of reasons for that. But, you know, we've got this missing piece of fatherness um, in our lives and in our 
particularly secularly, they, the stats about crime and mental illness and all that just so sheeted back to lack of fathers. And, um, you know, some of the paucity in the spiritual family. You know, we've got programs coming out of our ears. We've got, um, you know, the evangelicals have made a point of theology and Bible correctness. The charismatics have rescued the charismatic gifts. The liberals have rescued social justice. But who's rescuing father, son, spirit? I just don't see it. And it's such a fundamental issue in our body. And um, so these thoughts, you know, have been really playing on my mind and, you know, have been sort of conscious that so many of us have been actual orphans. And we have an orphan spirit. And we haven't had any modelling of, you know, how to be a father. And, um, and so we sort of bumble around, really in the illusion of the matrix, having a job, earning the money, providing, doing the routines. And then our kids grow up and they're gone and, you know, we see them occasionally. But what have we actually passed on? In the, in the secular human world and then spiritually the whole idea of connecting deliberately with those men, those women around us and intentionally fathering them. And you know, partly why I don't like speaking from the front because you can't teach fatherhood. It's caught. You can't run a program on fatherhood. You've got to live with the people. You can't hand out a book, even though all these things help. But unless you're engaged, it doesn't happen. It won't happen. It can't happen. It's not fatherhood. It's an orphan manager managing orphans. So where am I going with this? A couple of things. Um, firstly... You know, we did a, an Elijah course um, a few a few months ago. Now, at the end of last year, and one of the you know fundamental principles, foundational principles, um, in their kind of course and and the beginning of understanding how our lives get messed up is the honouring of mothers and fathers. And you know, they've sort of got it. They've got one of these pieces. And just as an aside. I want to honour these two guys as our spiritual mothers and fathers. And, you know, we need to take some time to do this sometime. I know we prayed for them last week and maybe that, that came out. But uh, the, the awesomeness of them as our spiritual mother and father and the sacrifice they give to each and every one of us every week. They have their jobs, they have their family, but they mothering and fathering us is such an incredible gift to us an incredible station and so we honour you Tim and Deb and um, forgive us for taking you for granted and um, you know forgive us for abusing you and thank you so um, so the damage has been done through you know generations of fatherlessness and part of this body being broken I believe is is, you know, this mystery of what God wants to rebuild in us is the, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of the Son. And, you know, I've, 
made some intentional moves, recognising I'm a bit fatherless. If you don't have fathers, the best next step is brothers. And that brothers commit to one another to work out how to father without a model. And so we come and we say, brothers, will you stand with me and help me learn how to be a father? How to father my kids? How to love my wife? And then particularly how to father in the body of Christ. Where men, and I I keep saying women get this a little bit better, but men intentionally take on relationships with the hope and the heart to father. It's not going to happen unless there's intention. It's not going to happen unless there's connection. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It is tough. And we just don't see any, you know, sort of precedent. We don't see any models. We don't... Um, no one's fathered us. So it's a tough resistance. But when the father heart and the father-son culture arrives, it starts to self-police. It starts to be the norm. It starts to be the climate under which relationships um, flourish. So there's, a, there's a, a topic for a lot of further conversation and, you know, might be discounted as madman's ramblings. But um, I'm just so appreciative of Cam and Kel and uh, James and some of the other guys who aren't here where we've kind of dug in a bit and um, decided to, to take this journey and uh, trying to explore what it is to be fathers. You know, there's a, a passage in 1 Corinthians 4 that says, you have thousands of guardians and teachers and leaders, but few fathers. And when you start to read the scriptures through this filter of fatherhood, the, the, the presence and the foundation for which um, becomes, you know, so stark that when Jesus called the first disciples, they were brothers, he called two sets of brothers that he then lived with for three years. It's so stark. And uh, he didn't run a program. He didn't, you know, do a teaching workshop. These things are all good, but he lived and related as a father with sons. So I would really like just to finish with actually uh, pulling the men out here and getting the women to pray for the men. Uh, The women get it. The women get relational connection. They're with the kids, they're with the other women. They know what relational connection is more inherently than men. The men have been out killing the fatted calf and and hunting and gathering and providing. And they've been disconnected for a whole host of reasons. But I think we need the women to pray over us. And I think we need to ask for the women's forgiveness for on behalf of all men, for being, you know, the cause of a fatherless spirit, of creating, you know, pain and hurt, Um, not being the men as husbands, not being the father to children, not being the men standing up in our spiritual communities. I think we need to ask their forgiveness because so many women have filled that gap and done amazing jobs. 
and uh, both raising families. You know, a lot of churches are run by women because the men are absent. And uh, we need to ask your forgiveness and we need you to pray for us. And we need to ask God to bring a father-son blessing and initiative into our communities. And uh, we're very thankful for Tim and Deb's mothering, fathering. We're way ahead. But um, we're on this journey of becoming a family and learning how to do that. So could we do that? Could we bring the men here? Yeah, the men in a bunch and then get the women around. I just get the I just get one of the guys just anyone who feel comfortable praying asking for forgiveness and repentance on behalf of the men. Yeah, James. You know, you know what I'm sort of getting towards? Father God, as we, uh, as we stand together as men, uh, the head of our families uh, and the, you know, the, what you've created us to be in the community and in the church, we just want to re- repent of, of not standing up to the role that you, have, that you want us to fulfil in this house and in our families and we want to repent of not... Uh, not of, of abandoning our responsibilities and of, of, of not pressing in where you've called us to, to stand. Um, and we just want to, we, we, we want to, uh, as together we want to stand here and just declare that, that, that we, want to, we want to stand firm for you and we want to be called into the fullness of your perfect will for our lives and for our community and for our church. And, and uh, as we stand here together as men, we just want to, Pray that you will that a father, pray a father's blessing over us, Lord, and that we will uh, start to walk in the fullness of, of your uh, what you have for us. Lord, as one whose um, husband is no longer here. Um, and who has had to be a father as well as a mother. Lord, I just pray over these men. I pray that you would help them not to be afraid to step up to the model that you give us of fatherhood, the beautiful model that in our society we just don't see any of very much. Lord, we know that that vision is created by you and it's a beautiful, beautiful vision of a man who is standing in, protecting his turf, protecting those that belong to him, but those he shares his life with, and that he can also teach those brothers who come into his life, those who are younger, those who are new, to journeying with you. We pray the Holy Spirit would bless all these men with a new and deep understanding of what fatherhood is when we have a father such as you, God. And we pray these things in your name. Um, God, we just uh, 
Yeah, thank you. What excitement that these men are standing here and wanting to uh, reconnect to your father's heart, Lord, for, for the journeys that have already taken place in, in, that, in that space and for what it's about to come. God, we, uh, we stand together with these men and we, uh, we declare that the, the prevailing spirit that, in a sense... Um, entered this country when so many men were ripped from their home to come here, God. We just, uh, we just break that. We break the influence of that now over these men, God. We just uh, pray that you return to them uh, the, the ability to not have to be the stoic all the time, to, <laughs> to just connect emotionally, God, that, uh, that they will know that they are truly connected that they actually have uh, an intense experience of the Father's heart from which to draw on. Thank you, God. Yeah. I just want to say to each one of you that on behalf of women, I repent for emasculating you. for each offhand comment that has cut you down. And I just affirm your God-given masculinity. Each one of you is an oak tree within your family and your roots go deep with him. So Lord, I just bless them with your Father's heart, Lord. Any wounds that women's words have made, heal and bind. Yeah, Father, give the, your heart to them. Teach them how to be fathers the way you wanted them to be. Yeah, rise up within them. And bring forth this, this masculinity that you've given them that is not toxic. That is what you've created them to be. We just affirm you in this church and in this community and thank you for what you bring. At the beginning of the year, I actually saw a picture in my spirit of us women praying over the men of the church. And this moment has come now and I actually feel like we just need to put our hands on your feet so those who want to can just kneel down and just touch the feet of the man. I just feel like we need to bless you. Are you right, Jen? Yeah. Yeah, God, we thank you for these sons, these dads and for these brothers. And God, we thank you that you... Abba Father, have placed your spirit of adoption in them and have called them your own. God, I pray that by night and by day, as they sleep and as they wake, that you would stir their heart afresh just to what it means to be your son and to rise up in their sonly authority over these nations to stand and just be the men of God that you've called them to be. I just want to repent on behalf of, of women that have caused men to be squashed. Yeah, we just say that 
you are to come alive. We speak the life of Jesus over your hearts. And we pray over the parts of your hearts and your mind that shut down because you thought something might be too soft or too emotional. And we say, be you. Be who God has created you to be with your full beating heart and your full amazing mind and your full strength of body as well. Yeah, God, we bless these men and we release them to be the leaders that you've called them to be. We release them to be the men of God that you've called them to be in this community and we pray that you would knit them together in a way that is supernatural but also just really has a very um, on-the-ground effect in their relationships and in their families. And God, I pray for the effect of fatherhood on our community, God, that the children in our church would know that these men are their fathers, not just their dad, not just their earthly dad, and that they would have a taste of you, their heavenly father, through these men. Yeah, just bless them, God. And I pray just now that you would just blow on them fresh with the power of your spirit. We just say more of your spirit, God. Just put your tongues of fire on their heads. Put your tongues of fire onto their mouths and into their hearts and just stir them up afresh. Stir them up afresh for revival. Stir them up afresh to lay down everything for the sake of your name. Yeah, just bless them, God. In Jesus' name. You know, I was blessed with an amazing dad, but I know that that's not everybody's experience. And um, I just feel one of the things that we need to do as guys is to release um, and let go of the role models that haven't helped us, that have wounded us, either by commission or omission. Um, so, Father, we just release our fathers from our judgment we release them from um, the failures. Um, God, where they have failed us, either um, through sinning against us um, or through just not being there, through being physically present but emotionally absent or, or completely absent. Um, God, we forgive them in Jesus' name. We know they did the best they could with what they had. They did the best they could with what they inherited. And so we just release right now forgiveness to the fathers in our life. And God, we ask that you would heal us of every father wound so that we can rise up and be the fathers in the image of the father that you have called us and created us to be, that we would be an incredible healing force on this community on the next generation, in Jesus' name.